Heads, welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason, and I'm Karen, and this is the Walking Dead Cast episode 185. We're here, <laughs> virtually at least. We're in your phone and your head. <laughs> Happy to be here. Before we get started, I just want to advise all of you to go right into the light. But whatever you do, stay away from the light. <laughs> and clowns. Because there's definitely. plenty of peace and serenity in the light, so you should definitely go to it, but stay away. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a mixed message thing we're Don't you we're think advising. that's what happened in the movie? Yes. Yes. It was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> stay away from the light. Wait, you no. told her to go. Wait, should I tell her to go in? No, definitely not. <laughs> and you better tell her now or it's all going to be over. <laughs> wait, wait, it's all over. Oh, You're just messing is. with me. Covered in goo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, some people who didn't read the pod, the uh, show notes don't know what the hell I'm talking about right now. Or you think that's true? What? I don't know. They're here. Yeah. is a pretty good giveaway. It is, but maybe if you're under 30, it might not be. <laughs> it might not be. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I didn't go see the remake. Of, we're talking about Poltergeist, by the way. I didn't the go original. see the remake. Uh, I heard it was sort of cookie cutter, not very interesting. Yeah, is that true? So it was a complete remake? Was it like a scene for scene remake? I don't think it was scene for scene, but I think they took a lot of scenes from it. You but, know, there's... There's movies that don't need to be remade. Yeah. And maybe the original Poltergeist is not a movie that needs to be remade. I agree with you. And it seems like it might be better almost to remake bad movies because you can make them better, yes. not take a movie that everyone already likes and then make it worse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Here's what it says on Rotten Tomatoes. Paying competent homage without adding anything of real value to the original Poltergeist. This remake proves... Just as ephemeral, but half as haunting as its titular spirit. So, no. So, we're going to do Poltergeist, but uh, first we're going to do news about The Walking Dead. In case you guys haven't figured out, um, I should probably say this sometime during the season. But for the off-season, what I like to do is, in case people are really just into The Walking Dead and don't really want to watch old movies or quirky movies or whatever, then I like us to do the news about the walking dead first that way uh -huh. if you're just a walking dead fan you can listen to that part first so we'll well this week we'll have news about the walking dead there's quite a bit of it comic con's oh, coming up so yeah then we'll have our dead cast top five i thought we'd do that first so it's our top five favorite scenes from the walking dead so far excellent and then we'll do our thoughts on poltergeist which we rewatched. <laughs> if you couldn't already tell. If you couldn't already tell. And then we'll have some uh, listener moans, groans, and grunts. And I see I also stapled my boarding pass to Orlando onto my show notes here. <laughs> so we'll be going to Orlando after that. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> invited. So <laughs> yeah. That's the Walker Stalker Con. 
Yeah, that's right. All right, let's, well, since we're bringing that up, let's get right into the news. Okay. Obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens. The people he kills get up and kill. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. This is a Walking Deadcast news update. <laughs> so coming up, uh, probably happening as you're listening to this, maybe it's already passed because it's this weekend for me, June 27th is Walker Stalker Orlando, and I want to do a meetup with you guys. So the plan is I 6.30 on Saturday, June 27th at the Hyatt Regency Orlando Hotel Lobby Bar. It's 9801 International Drive, 6.30 Saturday. Um, if you're in the area, even if you're not going to go to Walker Shocker Con, you should definitely stop by. Dave and Liz from Walker Nation are going to be there. Some of you guys might know them. I'll ask Melissa Hutchison if she wants to come over too. So oh, she yeah. might be there. She's great people. You need yeah. to meet this lady. She's so wonderful. No guarantee and, she'll be there, but I, I'm hoping. And take a picture with Jason and post it on our Facebook page so I can virtually be there too. Yeah, we'll make funny faces. And yes. definitely watch our Twitter and Facebook for any updates in case there's any changes. But that's the plan right now. Oh, you're going to have such a good time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm talking to the Lost cast and Breaking Bad again. And I first time talking to Tyler James Williams, a.k.a. Noah, after his death on the show. So oh, nice. Be interesting. Nice. Uh, will you tell the Lost cast, will you kiss each of them for me and tell them how much I love them? Big, long, slow, wet kisses. Yep. Yep, that's how much I love the Lost cast. So, yeah, give them all smooches for me. Okay. And I'll tell Tyler James Williams that you hated his death. <laughs> yes, I did. And I loved him, hated his death. <laughs> Makes sense. I loved him and loved his death. So, next, last time I mentioned there would be an announcement from Telltale about their games, their Walking Dead games. And so they did make an announcement that later this fall, there's going to be a game focusing on Michonne. Oh, interesting. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, and it's the comic book Michonne, it looks like, who is pretty similar to the TV Michonne. Uh-huh. But uh, this, the Walking Dead games universe is the same as the comics, and this game takes place... During a time in the comics when Michonne went off somewhere else and we never found out what happened. So if you want, if you're a comic reader and you want to find out what happened, you can play the game to find out. But I think even if you're not a comic reader, it'd be a pretty damn cool, cool game. Wow. Are you looking forward to it? Oh yeah, totally. I think it's an find interesting idea because yeah. last time they had this game called 400 days. That was about all these characters that we didn't even know, even from the games. But this time it's, they're going the opposite way and doing a game about this beloved character. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's very cool. You know, do you get the sense that something bad happened to Michonne when she was away? Well, uh, this is recent in the comics, and she's only been back a little while, but no. <laughs> not, not really. <laughs> no, it seems okay. like she might have had some interesting adventures, but she seems okay. the same to me. Okay. Mr. Blog and Grace might disagree with that, but I didn't get that impression. Uh, let's see. I've talked about a different Walking Dead game. Not as much, but... It's the Walking Dead game by this company called Overkill. It's a cooperative first-person shooter. It looks like it could be pretty good, like maybe the game that we wish that one bad Daryl game was. <laughs> that there was a big, there's a big game conference every year called E3, and this year 
it was just like last weekend. They demoed it with this new virtual reality setup called Star VR that gives you a really wide view when you put one of those VR headsets on, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. And this game was available and people said it was terrifying. Oh, terrifying is good. I can imagine like being playing a horror game. You know, when I had that Oculus Rift recently to be a uh-huh. part of that vision study, I downloaded a bunch of little demos. Um, there was a Totoro one and there was like space battles and different things. Um, just like nice picturesque scenes out on a meadow. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I didn't look at any horror ones because uh, it, it's like it totally amps up the level of immersion. Yes. yes. I found out they were going to be doing a, uh, what do you call it? A paranormal activity game for virtual reality. Oh, no. And I, I know. <laughs> That's kind of what scary. I thought too. Like, oh my God, I'm going to have to play that, but I might yes. get a heart attack. I might get a heart I'll attack. Be, I'll play attack. it with... I'll, you know what? You can't even play that with another person, can you? Unless you have a headset, another headset. Well, so they're just starting to come out on the market either at the end of this year or the beginning of next year. And um, I think they've already demoed a couple of things where you can have two people with VR headsets. And so you're both in this virtual reality world together. Oh, nice. But, okay. So if you have another headset, I will totally do this with you. <laughs> but I, with quite paranormal activity, I doubt it. I bet you're on your own. I bet you have. You'd be the ghost haunting me. <laughs> you go around oh, that and knock would stuff be over. Fun. <laughs> and while you have the headset on, I'll just like poke you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whisper evil. By the way, that conference, E3 yeah. that you mentioned, yeah. is that the one that said that they were getting rid of the booth babes? Maybe a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think so. No, no, no. Recently in the news. Oh, was it? I don't know. Yeah. I think they online. said, I think if that's the one that was in LA recently. Uh huh. Yeah, that's the one. And they said, uh, I think they said, now our listeners will probably correct me if I'm wrong, um, that they are getting rid of or banning booth babes. Uh, Yeah, it says recently PAX banned booth babes from their events, one of many conferences, including E3, to start banning booth babes. I think E3 might have done it a while back. So I think maybe PAX is the recent one, which is another video game conference. Okay. So you're saying we should boycott these conferences? <laughs> because they <laughs> because, don't have booth babes? No more booth babes. Yes. Yeah, that's okay. exactly what I'm saying. That's what I figured. <laughs> Thank you for interpreting. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. There's a new teaser trailer for Fear the Walking Dead. Oh. Did you see anything oh, on that? No. It's about mm, 30 seconds long. It shows this kid running. That's it. <laughs> he's like running really? alongside a, a hospital or something he's terrified and it doesn't show what's running after him so people are making jokes that his teenage girlfriend's dad just caught them together <laughs> <laughs> that does sound terrifying <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous it's like why did you what this doesn't uh, whatever <sighs> what a tease it's not even a tease it's just like if you did, here's a teaser trailer and it showed like a coffee cup or something. <laughs> that <laughs> like, would be pretty bold. One of the characters' coffee cups. <laughs> um, there's a new Walking Dead season six poster. It shows Rick and Morgan up front. They're kind of 
almost facing each other and it looks kind of like they're on opposing sides and Uh-oh. Rick's got his crew behind him, Daryl Glenn, Michonne, everybody, Carol. And then on Morgan's side are the Alexandrians, Jesse, Deanna, a couple of guys I didn't recognize and father Gabriel. Oh, douchebag. Yeah. You don't <laughs> want him on your side. I know. So anyway, that looked interesting. There's probably going to be some conflict there. Yeah, there probably will be. As usual. (laughs) Uh, San Diego Comic-Con's coming up in a few weeks. I'm going to be at Walker Shocker Fan Fest, which is happening at the same time, but it's at Petco Park. But they announced a couple of panels for Comic-Con. The Walking Dead panel will have almost all the actors. Andrew Lincoln, Norman Reedus, Stephen Young, Danai Guerrero, Lauren Cohan. They'll have Scott Gimple, Robert Kirkman, Greg Nicotero, moderated by Chris Hardwick. And uh, Fear the Walking Dead panel has the stars of that show. Kim Dickens, Cliff Curtis, Alicia Debnam Carey, Frank Delane, a whole bunch of other people. Robert Kirkman and Gail Ann Hurd and Greg Nicotero are going to be on that one too. And the showrunner, Dave Erickson. So uh, maybe they'll give something away now. You know, we'll learn a little bit more about it. Right, exactly. That'd be cool. Um, do you think because because Greg Nicotero and Gail Ann Hearn and Robert Kirkman, they're all involved with it? I mean, obviously Robert Kirkman. But do you think that they're going to be filming in the off-season of The Walking Dead? Or are they filming concurrently, do you think? Uh, I think right now with the six-episode season one that they've managed to mostly film in the off-season, I think. Uh-huh. Maybe a little bit of overlap, um, okay. but not much. But I doubt they'll be able to do that uh, going forward if the season expands, because I think it takes more than half a year to film a season. Yeah, right. You know, so they'll have to, I think, wait a minute, is that true? Don't they usually start in like April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November? Yeah, Yeah, it takes more than half a year. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> because I remember it, I went and was on the set after just after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So I hope, I mean, I don't really care so much about that as much as when they're going to be showing it. And I just hope they continue to show it at different times of the year. <laughs> For your podcasting schedule? Yeah. And also, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to watch two zombie shows a week. I don't think I'd rather have the zombiness spread out more over yes. the year, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Exactly. Spread out the zombie love. <laughs> and that new um, Ash versus Evil Dead is coming out in October. Yes. It's yes. half an hour, I think. So, And I saw a teaser for that, too. It was like this bloody chainsaw. Oh. And I think you hear Ash say something and uh looked pretty awesome. Groovy baby. <laughs> yeah, it was something like that. <laughs> and I think the first episode is directed by Sam Raimi. Woo! <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Oh, my God. Me too. We'll have to talk about it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> love. I love the original. And God, I love Sam Raimi. Yeah. And it's so cool that they're getting the same people back. And sometimes, you know, when you have a property and it comes back and the actor has aged a lot, it's like, eh, he's too old now. But I get the feeling with Ash because he's sort of... Uh, it's almost like he, he's 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 cool, but in a way that's ridiculous. Yes, he's goofy. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and so I can see an old Ash being oh, even yes. more like that. Yes. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. 
All right. What else? Okay. A while back, I mentioned that Stephen Young would be doing the voice of Tony Chu in an upcoming animated adaptation of this comic called Chu, which Grace and Mr. Block cover on under the comic covers, by the way. Uh-huh. And he, Chu is a cop who gets psychic images by eating stuff. So he'll like eat a corpse's <laughs> finger and find out who killed him. It's pretty yes, gross. Right. Awesome. So David Tennant is going to be a character in this. They just he found out. Is, is he? Yeah, it's animated, but it's Mason Savoy, a villain who was once the mentor of Chu. Oh, fantastic. And I hope he gets to keep his uh, wonderful British accent. I know, huh? Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, he so Robin Williams was originally supposed to play that role. Oh, interesting! Yeah. No kidding. Mm, I got sad about Robin Williams the other day, all over again. How come? Because I miss him. Did miss... anything set it off though? No, no. Uh, yes, actually. It. Sorry, Larry. Sorry. Uh, rewind. <laughs> Back up. <laughs> uh, yes, I was watching Dead Poets Society. Uh, I haven't yeah. seen that in so long. It holds up. Yeah, it does. That's cool. That was one of my favorites of his. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what my very favorite was, but I'm drawing a blank. He's been in some good movies and some bad movies. Uh, Popeye is up there. I know you love Popeye. Yeah. You love Popeye. I, <laughs> I actually totally do. The World According to Garp, but um, yeah. I have to say, what's that one he did with Matt Damon? Oh, yeah. Um, how do you like them apples? That one. Right. <laughs> Yes. Oh, Goodwill so, Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. You know hunting. what? I watched that again, and it just seemed like a movie written by someone in their twenties, which it was. It was written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Yeah, it, yeah. But very, very. I don't know. I, 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 I'm apologize to our listeners in their twenties, but just so absorbed with Matt Damon's character. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but it has so many great moments. It had some great moments, that's for sure. I think I, I was in Boston when they were filming that. I think I saw them. I saw Robin Williams out there filming a scene one time. Oh, no kidding. Finally, there were rumors that Emily Kinney and Norman Reedus were dating. I saw that. Reedus denied the rumors. What? Emily Kinney had no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Except for he said, what? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's going to be in so much trouble. <laughs> Tonight. No, I'm just kidding. I'm starting more rumors. <laughs> I don't think it's true, though. That's it for the news. Let's get on to our Deadcast Top 5. Attention shoppers. Deadcast Top 5 in 5, 4, 3, 2. All right. It's our Deadcast Top 5. This time it's our Top 5 favorite scenes from Walking Dead so far. My number 5 is when Shane dipped his french fries in Rick's ketchup. Just kidding. <laughs> you remember that? That was a bold move. Uh, was that that was the flashback? I it, mean, no, I, it was like the very first one of the very first scenes before the apocalypse. But yes, a flashback. No, it was just before the apocalypse when so, Rick and Shane were in the car hanging out. Then they got the call to go chase the dude, and then they chased him. And then Rick got shot and went into a coma and woke up in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny in my head he, the the show starts with him waking up nope i totally forgot all of that it was very short but yeah it, it seemed like a different show i went back and was watching some of these and there's that whole car chase and the car flips over and there's a shootout 
I mean, we've had scenes sort of like that since, but it just felt like a, a whole different show. A whole different show. <laughs> <laughs> and he, Rick just looks so different. And even his accent sounded a little different. His so. hair, his hair is definitely shorter too. Um, and by yeah. the way, what a jerky thing for Shane to do. Well, it was sort of an indicator of his attitude. <laughs> dipping dipping your your fries in another man's ketchup. We, That's going to be my mentioned that now. I, me and Doug interviewed uh, Andrew Lincoln, and he laughed. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Don't ever dip your fries in another man's ketchup. <laughs> That's right. So... You, why don't you go first? Okay, I will. And just because we're on season one, episode one, mm-hmm. Days Gone By. By the way, very clever that it's called Days Gone By, B-Y-E. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the very end of that. And that's when Rick arrives in Atlanta and he's got the enormous horde of walkers chasing him. And mm-hmm. he gets inside a tank, crawls inside a tank, and seals himself inside. But unfortunately, there's also a uh, there's a zombie inside, and things are looking grim, really grim. There's Zeds all around, and what's going to happen to our hero, Rick? And all of a sudden, on the um, transmission, we hear, on the, the radio, we hear, uh, hey, you dumbass, mm-hmm. yeah, you inside the tank. <laughs> Cozy in there? I mean, and it's great. great. And then there's and some, it, like, chipper music playing kind of yeah it's fantastic things might be looking up here and we find out later it's glenn Mm -hmm. and it was just wonderful and it made me it made me love him on the spot he's so sarcastic and great although he's never really been like that since well things have gotten really grim brother (laughs) really grim more grim got that sarcasm smacked out of him he really did after the after the well zombie incident, he's like, "That's it. No more sarcasm." Right. This is a serious. <laughs> this is serious shit. Uh, I also like that scene because he was sitting there next to the dead soldier who reanimated, and I think he shot him in the head, and then there was he this did. really intense ringing from the gunshot inside the tank. Yes. And he's like, "Oh God." <laughs> it's very loud. Yeah, it's a good scene. Yep. yep. There was something else I was watching recently where stuff like that happened, like gunshots. I th- was it. I think it was Mad Max. They were doing that. Oh, like a shot went off by his face. Yeah, and he was like, ah, and you, the whole sound changed and everything. Yeah. But, yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen other things too using that. Yeah, it's good. All right, my number five is my my. St- are almost all really traumatic and intense, but uh, I don't, I, I wouldn't want there to just be that, those kind of scenes. Cause it's kind of uh, the quieter scenes and getting to know the characters that make these intense scenes really stand out, you know? Uh huh. But they're the ones I thought of for my list of favorites. So my number five is the trough scene <laughs> from season five, episode one, no sanctuary. Uh huh. It was just so, this show often has scenes where you're like, man, I feel like oh, I haven't seen anything so fucked up on this show before. <laughs> like yeah. Topping themselves. That and, was pretty fucked up. Yeah. They're just going through slicing these people's throats. They, The first guy is someone we've actually seen before. And then we have 
Glenn, Bob, and Rick lined up and ready to go next. And what really changed this from just a good scene to an amazing scene for me was how nonchalant the termites were being about the whole thing. It was like this day in the office attitude. Yes, exactly. Hey, he's got a clipboard and he has, you know, he has to keep a running total. And he's, you know, he's got business, man. He's got to find out how many bullets were shot. And the guy with the bat, even like he kept getting interrupted and it was almost comical. And you could (laughs) feel that the writers knew it would be a little bit funny. Yes. Even though it was so terrifyingly horrible and gruesome. So... (laughs) And, and I loved how defiant Rick was in that yeah. scene. And he just looked like more savage than he had. Well, aside from the part where he ripped the guy's throat out with his teeth. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. It, he was... He was pissed mm-hmm. and he was telling him, no, you know, even though I'm, I'm gagged and or well, not gagged at, at that point, but he was bound up and he was about to have his throat slit, but he was s- s- kneeling there saying, this is how you're going to die. And it's going to be at my hand. Right. Oh, he promised him. Unbelievable. And he kept that promise. He did. <laughs> not like a man who keeps a promise. <laughs> He's got integrity. All right. Your turn. <laughs> Well, let's talk about actually my number four, which is also from No Sanctuary. I think it's funny that you chose the really, really intense moments. I mean, I did too, but a lot of my intense moments were um, more on the yay, we win kind of moments. Mm -hmm. And one of those was in No Sanctuary when Carol saves the day at Terminus. And I'm certain that if it wasn't for her, they would all have been they would all have been converted to over to barbecue. I mean, literally to barbecue. Mm-hmm. They would have been uh, definitely, yeah, yeah, hung up and drained and chopped up, and uh, you know it, they would have been cooked up in that lovely barbecue. Hey, everybody, hey, welcome, welcome to Terminus. <laughs> We'd like to have you for dinner. And I love that it was just Carol being fearless and clever and saving their asses and. It was wonderful. I know that people complained that there were things about it. You know, she got she got lucky. She got some lucky shots off, and you know, would that really really have happened? But I don't care. It was still very very memorable. Yeah, they took out Martin, who was going around with his fireworks to distract the zombie herd that was approaching. Right. Which you you got the sense they'd figured out how to do that. So the herd didn't get distracted and was heading towards Terminus. And then she put on her cloak and rubbed guts all over it so she could walk through the zombies unnoticed. And then Mm -hmm. she shot her firework at, well, she shot, I think she first shot this fuel tank and then there was a fuel spurting out of it and she shot her firework at it and it exploded. And that's pretty much all that whole sequence is what saved everybody because, well, I guess more directing the herd towards Terminus is really what had the biggest impact. But yes. as far as blowing that thing up, I'm not sure. I guess it just kind of created more chaos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It distracted our the people who were just about to slit their throats. Okay. That's true. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. That, With they, they're like, whoa, go find kaboom. out what that explosion was. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Okay. My number four is Noah's death. In season five, episode 14, Spend. Uh huh. <laughs> so I think this is my favorite death by zombie scene in the show, I think. Oh. I took 
about a day, you know, not, not a whole day, but I only thought about this for a day. I, I'm sure if I went through and looked through all the scenes, I might've thought of some different things, but as far as I can recall, this was my favorite one. I, you know, I've talked about this fairly recently, but I thought the whole revolving door setup was really well staged with Nicholas right there in a spot where he could mess it all up Uh and the zombies pushing in and Nicholas got away and caused Noah to die and the zombies grabbed him. And then uh, Glenn had to sit there and watch, which was totally surprising to me. I I wasn't expecting it. It was really gory and it was um, horrifying and it totally reminded me of the Romero zombie movies because that's the (laughs) kind of level of gore that you would see in those. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was hard to watch. It was hard yeah. to watch someone I love get get so torn apart. I know and you didn't like it. I mean, I don't expect I didn't. you to. Yeah, it was one of my favorites. But I could see why you love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my number three. I'm gonna go ahead and pick season four, episode 13, called Alone. And this is one that was directed by Ernest Dickerson. And it was it was the whole flashback to the episode was a Bob Stuckey, it was a Bob Stuckey flashback. It was alone before he met up with, with our people. Mm-hmm. So it was just a montage and heartbreaking and sad of him trying to make it outdoors with the zombies. And, you know, you see him sort of build a little cage thingy to keep them out. And the last shot is of him on top of a bus, an old bus, and he's surrounded by walkers and he's laying there. And it's so sad because he looks so alone. And at the end of the episode, this is a particular episode where he... Uh, gets separated from from Sasha and Maggie, but at the end he meets back up oh, with yeah, them. If yeah, you'll yeah. remember that, and the reunion was so sweet. They weren't apart for very long, but when they got, they all three of them got back together. It made me cry. And there's something about that theme of you know live together, die alone. Mm-hmm. To quote Lost, that gets me every time, and it 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 breaks my heart. And it's beautiful. Totally, yeah. I like that scene. I like that episode too. Uh, Bob really did look like a homeless guy, and especially when he was eating the sterno. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks to whatever listener that was who who pointed out that that was sterno, because I had no idea what yeah. that was. So yeah. I think there was Gross. some good music in that episode, too. I'm not sure, though. Mm-hmm. Playing while he was walking around. Yeah. Ernest Dickerson. Okay. My number three. I'm actually going in order of preference unlike i usually do where i just don't have any discernible order right so my third number three is rick wakes up from a coma in season one episode one days gone by Ooh. i love that whole sequence where he shane is giving him flowers and then he starts to answer back in this kind of sarcastic way but when he looks up he realizes there's actually a bunch of time that's gone by in between because the flowers are already dead. And then he, <laughs> he falls off his bed and kind of hobbles out and it's dimly lit. There's paper yes. strewn everywhere. Yep. And he looks, he get drinks some water cause he probably hasn't had water in a week or something. He looks, right. looks out and he sees what looks like a half eaten corpse and it doesn't move or anything. So as far as he knows, it's just, wow, something really bad happened here. 
then he sees blood on the floor and then we start he sees the barricaded doors that says what looked to me like don't dead open inside <laughs> <laughs> and uh the doors part and we hear zombie whispers rah, 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 and then fingers come through and they're all like dirty and gray yes long nails and then i, I watched that scene again today and he get, look, gets this horrified look on his face and kind of starts to run away and i'm sort of like well you're in a hospital what if that's just some sick people who are locked in <laughs> like, <laughs> well he read the sign correctly see yeah, he didn't interpret the sign like you did sign, but still <laughs> if you have no concept of zombies you'd think right a guy like rick who's supposed to be a hero might at least like say who is in there Maybe he was running away to go get help. I don't think so. Because <laughs> he never came back. <laughs> of it course, he kind seem- of figured out what happened after that. But he, I don't think so. He didn't, he didn't seem like it. Anyways. Did it say, did it say, uh, don't it open, said, don't dead, open inside. dead inside, dead inside. So now we've seen them referred to as, as dead. Well, maybe they were, they weren't reanimated when they were, uh, when the person wrote the sign. Maybe or, they were simply dead. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking, yeah. like, Rick, he doesn't know that zombies no. exist. Oh, no. So as far as he knows, it's just a bunch of sickly people. And he's like, I don't want to get sick like you. <laughs> he's like, what kind of hospital is yeah. this? This is the crappiest here. hospital I've ever been in. <laughs> then he goes through a door and all of a sudden it's pitch black. So he lights a match and he's making his way in the dark. And that was really scary because you're like, something's going to grab you in the dark. But he ends up going out into the light and sees all these corpses lined up dozens and dozens of them wrapped in white sheets mm-hmm. then he get, eventually gets home and he's like yelling for carl carl that very carl, first episode in carl. glory he starts crying and then he gets whacked in the face with shovel from Dwayne. i like the scene for a lot of reasons but one is there's barely any dialogue and i think a lot of times walking dead is best when it's yep there's no dialogue in it not i mean the writing i think has gotten a lot better but uh it's just a visual show and just to watch the yep. shocking things. Yeah, they can they can convey a lot mm-hmm. with very few words. Totally. Yep. I agree with you. That was wonderful. I actually it's funny, that was one of the ones I was considering mm-hmm. saying myself was just episode one, season one, mm-hmm. days gone by. It was so good. Hmm. Well you did say and the even- one with the horses and the tank already. I mean the horse. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, just uh, there's so many iconic things about that that episode. It was great. Yeah. Okay, my turn. Yep. My number two. I'm gonna actually my next two are season finales. So my first season finale is going to be our most recent, which is season five, episode sixteen, Conquer season finale. And I'm gonna talk about the intro because I. Love me an intro. Mm-hmm. And this is the intro to the finale where Morgan becomes a freaking ninja badass. It was oh, yeah, so yeah, weird. yeah. It was great. such a great scene <laughs> against the wolves. And he kicks their asses. And I love the character of Morgan. He's he's wonderful. He's been there from the very, very start. And I love that we're going to get to see him more. Mm-hmm. And... I was really scared for him in that scene because I didn't know if he had any place in the series after that moment. I really didn't. Mm. At least I don't think I did. So I remember being afraid for him, like really, really afraid for his character. 
but the it, then he becomes you know he switches into calm ninja mode and he takes them out in a way that was just wonderful and i love that he shows them compassion and mercy because it's very scarce in the zombie apocalypse and he you know doesn't kill them he puts them in a car he even makes sure he he guarantees their survival by putting them in a car where walkers won't eat them so and honks the horn so he's being very kind to the wolves. I hope that doesn't come back and bite him in the ass. But it was great. What if it does? What if they I'll come still... back and they kill Carol? <laughs> that would not be good. Yeah, or Morgan, or you know, Michonne. Like maybe maybe showing com- maybe showing <laughs> compassion is a terrible terrible thing. Now I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe to these guys. It might not have been such a great idea. I like the idea, but when you have what are clear psychos. And he, they are clearly psychos. Yeah, that maybe yeah. it might be best to just get rid of them. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you're I don't right. know. I mean, right. I don't know. <laughs> if there's going to be someone that you would want to get rid of, it might be guys like these. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? You're right. Um, but I you're thought right. it was pretty cool, too. Okay. My, I'm glad to see Morgan back too. He, Morgan's character is gone for a long period in the comic books, and then he comes back. And I never was sure if they'd be able to do that in the show because Lenny James had another show for a while. But uh, looks oh. like he's, I mean, he's on the poster for next season, so looks like he's going to be around for a little while. What show did he have? He had a show called Low Winter Sun on AMC. I don't oh. even know for sure what it was about, but it didn't last very long. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. All right, my number two is that scene in season five, episode two, Strangers, where Bob is sitting by a nice, quiet fire with Gareth, and they're just talking. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. Having a nice conversation yeah. over, over some dinner. And Gareth says, I just want you to understand, none of this is personal. But the end of the day, no matter how much we hate all this ugly business, and then it's revealed that Bob only has one leg. And uh-huh. Gareth is like, a man's got to eat. <laughs> he takes a big bite of a hunk of meat. And, I was, and it was great because the scene on Bob's face could be interpreted as, I'm really not happy to be here and kind of annoyed. But then when you realize what's going on, it's more like, I'm in shock right now. And it worked uh-huh. both ways, you know? Yes, exactly. And and, la- and later he cracks up, right? It, the ne- yeah, it's an extension of that scene starting in the next episode. So they picked up where they left off. And he said, uh, you're tainted meat. <laughs> but I just love that scene because I like the tainted meat scene too. But at the end of this episode, because it was so shocking and staged so well. And uh-huh. it was just like, oh my God, I can't believe they're showing cannibalism and the meat that Gareth was eating just looked like a barbecue. <laughs> you know, yes. It was so wrong. And then you see all the other termites that are still left ch- chowing down in the background. Yes. So messed up. Exactly. It is. It's totally mm-hmm. messed up. I mean, when zombies eat humans, that's not cannibalism. Oh, good point. Yeah. I mean, it's a different kind of cannibalism. It is a different kind of cannibalism. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I don't consider that cannibalism. Yeah, you're right. It, it, this seemed more fucked up to me because yes. the zombies are more like animal, mindless animals. And this is just a yeah. bad person. 
zombies gotta eat. (laughs) (laughs) And then he goes, if it makes you feel any better, you taste much better than we thought you would. Oh, tasty. (laughs) Yeah, but it's kind of insulting too. Like what? Yeah. Why do you think Bob would taste good? Don't I look tasty? I think he said at some point women taste better. Oh, yeah. Maybe Bob tastes like a woman. We're more tender. <laughs> but, you know, we're all free range, I suppose. In in the U.S. Corn fed. <laughs> all right. Okay, I'll, turn. I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> You're making me hungry. <laughs> all right. My number one is... Season four, episode 16, A. Mm, a. I almost picked that one. I, don't, one. I can't believe I didn't pick that one. Yeah, that's a damn good one. It's a really good one. And it's the, you can probably guess, which scene am I talking about? The archer, uh, samurai. No. I mean, yes, the extended version of that scene. Yeah, so, but the very end where he says, yes. they're screwed with the wrong people. To the thrumming music. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty intense. And yes. then right after that, they got bombed with gas and dragged out of there. <laughs> and Carol saved them. <laughs> so when he said they're screwing with the wrong people, he really meant Carol. Yes, the extended <laughs> community of wrong people. Yeah, he just he, he likes to be economical with his words. Right. <laughs> I mean, I like that, but I, because they said screw instead of fuck, it took away from it a little bit. In the comic, he says they're fucking with the wrong people, but it's okay. Yeah. It's still great. But I, I really loved the scene where Gareth is ordering them around. Oh, that was great outside. too. Yeah. Yes. And making them go one at a time. And it was just so intense. Standing on Can the you- roof, giving them nicknames. <laughs> Can you remember the nicknames? Archer, Samurai, um, The Kid, and what was Rick? Ringleader, I think. Oh, he wasn't Sheriff? Nah, he (laughs) would have been Ringleader. Yeah. Deputy. No, just kidding. (laughs) Deputy Bob. All right, my turn? Yeah. Okay, my favorite scene ever on The Walking Dead, I think, crazily enough, is a scene with Lori, and it's her death scene. Oh. And it's Lori, Carl, and Maggie are trapped, I think, in the boiler room in the prison. She's uh-huh. in labor. She's bleeding. So they, mm-hmm. she tells Maggie to do a C-section, and Maggie says, that's going to kill you. And Lori says, I want the baby to survive. And then I have a clip here of what Lori says to Carl. So I'm going to play it. Okay. Baby, I don't want you to be scared, okay? This is what I want. This is right. No, you- you take care of your daddy for me, all right? And your little brother or sister, you take care of them. We'll have to do this. We are going to be fine. You are going to beat this world. I know you will. You are smart, and you are strong, and you are so brave. And I love you. I love you, too. You got to do what's right, baby. You promise me you'll always do what's right. It's so easy to do the wrong thing in this world. So, so if it feels wrong, don't do it. All right. If it feels easy, don't do it. Don't let the world spoil you. You're so good. 
my sweet boy. The best thing I ever did. I love you. I love you. My sweet, sweet boy, I love you. Okay. Okay now. Okay. Ah. Maggie, when this is over, you're gonna have to You have to do it. It can't be Rick. I'll stop it there. <clears throat> oh my god, I'm crying. <laughs> that scene makes me cry every time. Oh. Uh, She's so good. So sad. I know that when she did that, it was like she knew she was really saying bye goodbye to Chandler Riggs, at least on a day-to-day basis, you know. Uh-huh. So it was genuine emotion going on on the screen. <clears throat> oh, it was so good. If I played another 30 seconds, you would hear, and she goes, ah. It's <laughs> so pr- pretty rough. And then Carl goes in and he has to shoot her. You know, he says, I want to do it makes Maggie let him do it. So it's so heart-wrenching. But scenes where there's love expressed by parents to children really get me. Like the scene in hindsight just makes me mad. But at the time, well, I can't really say what it is because I don't want to give any Game of Thrones spoilers. But a recent scene on Game of Thrones where a certain guy told his daughter he loved her. Yes. That scene. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. That didn't yeah. turn out so well. Anyway, no, no, it really. <laughs> but really this didn't. scene, like, yeah, that, that that I think you know, I just consider it my favorite because I feel so much when I watch it. Yeah, you know, I also have to say, in terms of um, parents, mm-hmm. uh, and and there, there's a lot of complicated parent relationships on this show or there or at least there 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 was before Herschel died um but there still is between Rick and Carl of course mm-hmm. but um with Herschel and his daughters there are some unbelievably sweet scenes and uh, especially when after Herschel loses his leg mm-hmm. and in the prison he, yeah yeah and he you know Maggie and Beth watch over him and it is very mm-hmm. sweet there were some good ones at the farm too I think between Maggie and Herschel yeah yeah, yeah. totally Scott Wilson I miss him I know I'm gonna see him I'm doing a panel with Scott Wilson and um David Morrissey would <sighs> <It'd> be cool <laughs> you're the such a good Herschel. time Man. It's going to be cool. <laughs> you, you know what? I, I swear Scott Wilson's going to hug you. He's a hugger. <laughs> Lucky. I don't know. He might gravitate more towards hugging the ladies. Uh, he hugged me a couple of times. <laughs> Those are good hugs. <laughs> All right. So I have some honorable mes- mentions. Honorable okay. mentions. Um, Sophia coming out of the barn is yeah. one for a lot of people. For me, it didn't hit as hard because I already knew. She was in there, but when I heard that she was in there, I was I could see that barn because I was on Herschel's farm, and um, I was shocked. <laughs> so if I would have had that shock dur- during the show, I'm sure it would have had much more of an impact. You know? Did they did they tell you like did, when you when you were on set? Did they say, oh, by the way, Sophie is going to come out? I wasn't there when they filmed that. I was there at, during the finale, so it was six episodes later but they just hadn't shown oh, yeah, this yeah. one on tv yet and uh you know they'd already filmed it a while back but the extras were talking about it and those ones just like <laughs> As, oh you know sophia was in the barn i was like 
What? What? Why did you tell me that? And oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Extras are, it's so funny. There's so much downtime and you can really get to know each other. I kind of wanted to know stuff, but didn't want to know, you know? Uh huh. So I found out that Shane died and that Sophia was in the barn. I didn't know about Dale, but I noticed that he wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) I can't help but notice that Uh, there's there's somebody missing from the farm. Main actor. (laughs) (laughs) He's not here. Uh, The Lizzie Mika scene was Uh really horrible and hard for me to put on a list of favorites, but I that was just an amazing scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shane's death w- almost made my list. That was awesome with Rick and Shane you know, out on the. Yeah, yeah. That almost made my list too. And and Carl takes him out. <laughs> right, right. Well, zombie Shane. He takes zombie, zombie Shane, Shane out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Rick stabbed him. So he got two death scenes right in Lucky. a row there. <laughs> There's <laughs> This show has great character moments. Carl and Michonne on the train tracks competing for a candy bar. That I like that one. I loved when Glenn was awkward around Maggie when they first met. Yeah. A lot of different times. And then there's some awesome zombie scenes. And, you know, I didn't have any scenes that were on my list purely for the zombies, which kind of surprises me because I kind of considered myself a zombie fan. And that's why I watched The Walking Dead. But Uh I've totally become a Walking Dead fan. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Good point. I'm glad about that, too. Yeah. This exercise yeah. made me realize that, that I'm definitely a fan of this show, even if despite the zombies. But there have been some great zombies, like the one recently where Rick, Michonne, Glenn, and Aaron were driving through the zombies at night and they crashed and they had to run all separate ways and yeah. dodge them and stuff. That was awesome. When the sickness uh-huh. was spreading through the prison and there were lots of sickly zombies lurking around. Mm-hmm. Or in the, I think it was the pilot or when Morgan's wife was coming up and trying oh. to open the door, you know? Yeah. She's in the white nightgown, the RV zombie in season uh-huh. two oh, that was good. zombie storming the barn in the season two finale. Mm-hmm. Pretty awesome. Yep. And then what else? When Rick and crew t- took the prison, that was like a sign. All right. Glenn Mazar is in charge. The show's kicking it up a notch. That was pretty awesome. And the intro to that episode, which I remember you love too. Yes. They had no words, but they just showed that they knew how to take care of themselves. Yes. I love, oh, I love that. Yeah. So good stuff. It's interesting. We didn't pick anything uh, the governor related. Yeah. The, yeah. It is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Or related to Woodbury. Just Woodbury in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. I mean, you'll see that. Well, I'm trying to think. Like what? Like I guess the scene that comes to mind is when he chopped off Herschel's head. But eh, I wouldn't pick that one. Or when he looked. I think it was the governor looked down in the lake and saw Zombie Pete. Yes. <laughs> or whatever yeah. that guy's name was. But uh, that was more about the zombie. Good. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of liked. No, I was going to say when when Rick and the governor were in the that building making negotiations, but really what I liked was the bad lip reading version of that. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Jazz hands. <laughs> That's how we do it on Broadway. 
I'll have to think about that. You know what I? You know what I asked David what his favorite scene was. He actually said the um, he liked the moment when they, it was all very tense and they were they met the Vatos. Uh-huh. And and it, they were like, who are these guys? Everything is going sideways. And then the you know the grandma totters up and was like, you know, mijo, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what the hell? And they're and they're basically you know orderlies at a, a yeah. at a senior facility. <laughs> I liked that when I was watching it, but the more it sat with me, the more it just felt like some kind of a cheesy show or something. I don't it, know. It worked for David. It took away the the edge. Um, I thought of a governor scene that I love. It's probably my favorite is when the when Michonne and the governor fought and she yes. stabbed him in the eye. Ew. Yeah. And and she kills his daughter. His right. Zombie, his zombie daughter. Which, why did she do that? God. It seems so mean. <laughs> Just rude. I'm serious. I, I don't know. But uh, then, you know, he all the zombie... The zombie head aquarium is right there and mm-hmm. gets all shattered with zombie heads falling everywhere and chomping and stuff. <laughs> that was <laughs> yes. awesome. So I got, I don't know, remember if I told you, but I played that scene, the, a clip of it for them during a panel. Uh huh. And they were on the couch together and they just started to get closer and kind of snuggle up together as they were watching Aww. themselves beat each other up. <laughs> Pretty awesome. <laughs> That's nice you do that. That's great, actually. <laughs> it was fun. And then I got a text from James while I was up there saying, we're not allowed to play clips. Like, oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, anyways, okay, let's do listener responses. Okay, the first one comes from Eric Sherman, who writes, The flashback scene where Lori and Shane witness Atlanta being firebombed while they sit uh, in freeway, I'm sorry, in highway gridlock. Similarly, Michonne's dream sequence in her high-rise condo with her lover and friend. I like those two scenes for the way they depict the collapse of, of society around the characters. Also, I really hated the scene where Rick slaughtered the piggies. Can't watch that without tearing up. Poor Violet. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, that dream sequence in particular I liked. Oh, I Michonne. did too. That was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Nancy Ridgeway says, Rick and Carl sitting in the opening of the barn on the farm, and Rick says, no more kid stuff. That scene is poignant in words as well as visually stunning. Yeah, I remember that scene. Yeah. telling him we're, we're all going to die, and but it was really uh, a good father-son moment. Yeah. Also at the end of the season when they're in the container and Rick turns and says they're messing with the wrong people. <laughs> Agreed. Mia Suzuki says the exchange between Daryl and Aaron when he sees the motorcycle parts in the garage and Aaron asked him to help recruit for Alexandria. And I and to think these two characters would never ever have been friends had the zombie apocalypse not happened. Oh my God, that's so true. That was a great scene. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Recent. Yep. I my uh, let's see. Of my five, there's one, two, three, three from season five. It's pretty good. I think yeah. I had two from season five. Two from season five. Mm-hmm. Terry Tango says, Rick Shower from season one. <laughs> when Lori dies, only because I hated her. <laughs> when Rick tears the throat out of the claimed. Mm-hmm. Carl's, His teeth. What? Yeah. And Carl's number 10 can of pudding. And But my all-time fave is the shaving of the beard. And he capitalizes the, T and B in the beard. The beard. Like it's a character mm-hmm. on the show. Mm-hmm. 
kind of was. Anthony Farnsworth writes, when Shane and Rick fought trying to find a place to drop that creep off, I think they were in the back of the school and I just really miss the whole dynamic between them. The tension was so high and I love how Rick sort of adopted, adapted Shane's mentality after his death. Totally. Yeah, that was great. That was a good scene. Mm-hmm. Jamie Gliciano says when Shane shot Otis. Oh, yeah. Because Shane was a badass, and this would be a much better show if he were leading. Team Shane. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Rick Costa writes, I still like Andrea and her sister at the quarry talking about their father fishing. It was so well written and acted. It was so human. And I point to that scene for those who haven't yet seen the show. It is what distinguishes it from gore fest movies. Yeah. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Iristine? I wonder if that's supposed to be Christine. Iristine Rodriguez says, when Rick and Carl gunned down all of the walkers that broke through the prison fence, especially when Rick had to take a beat down after Carl tosses him a new clip to reload and continues like it's nothing new. Yeah, that was an awesome scene. You know, I almost said which time. Because <laughs> <laughs> it seems like they were always fighting walkers yeah. by the fence. But that was when the sickness was getting out of control and yes. all, it was night and they had, I think, like... One of them had a machine gun. Mm-hmm. It was really intense. Yeah, it was. That was a great scene. Steve Ad uh, Ald Aldifer, is that right? Season three, Merle duct tapes a kidnapped Glenn to a chair and sticks a hungry walker on him. Glenn breaks the chair and delivers a permanently fatal blow through the biter's skull. Then uses the lame brain's bones as a weapon to escape Woodbury. Mm-hmm. That was awesome <laughs> too. By the way, points Steve for describing zombies in like three different ways. Well done, <laughs> sir. <job>. Lame brains. <laughs> Iris Munch Seigart says Sophia walking out of the barn. Morgan's speech to Rick in clear. Great one. And yeah. when Rick realized what happened to Lori. Oh, yeah, that's right. Right at, that, at the end of that, he came out and could just see by Carl's body language that Lori was dead and broke down crying. No. Really sad. <laughs> yeah, it was very sad. By the way, I have to say, Clear, again, one of my favorite episodes of all time. Mm-hmm. I like the, you remember the very end of Clear when they're driving back and there's, remember they passed the hitchhiker the first time and they came back and then they picked up his backpack. That was yeah. a great, great moment. And now they, I think they still have it. Yeah. Yeah. I still feel <laughs> sorry for the the hitchhiker. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> Yeah, it's the doggy dog world because out there. Because Rick has sort of gone back and forth over the years about whether to accept people into his group, and that backpacker just caught him at a bad time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He probably would have been fine if they had got him any other time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a man-eat-dog world out there. <laughs> Evan Brookman writes, there was a scene with Dale's camper behind the barn and it had these really intense zombie extras in the background that made it a really phenomenal scene. Check or money order would be fine. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks, Evan. All right. Checks in the mail. Vince Hmm. Yanez says, and seeing the horde of walkers behind Rick and Carl after the Shane showdown. Amazing. Yep. Matt Whitehurst says, one, Dale's death scene. Two, Rick and Shane shoot out in the moonlight. Oh, I forgot how beautiful that scene yeah. was, too. God. Uh, three, Dale's story about his mother's death, which I can't remember. Me neither. To say. <laughs> but it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have any Daryl scenes. I didn't either, but th- there's got to be a There's got to be a good one in there somewhere. 
Yeah. <laughs> Aaron Meir says, oh my God, the best scene by far is when they take the prison in the season three opener. That was a damn good scene. That was a damn good scene. Jose Estrada says, when Amy, Andrea's sister, woke up uh, as a Zed head, it really humanized the walkers and made you look at them as former people that were real people that were truly loved. Oh, right. Yeah, that was a good one. Sad. Vince Yanez says, the image of Herschel's head hanging from his neck still haunts me. Oh, <laughs> wow. I didn't realize you could see it um, hanging from his neck. I guess you had your eyes closed. I guess I did. That was awful. <laughs> I don't totally remember either. But he was so, I got to tell you, uh, Scott Wilson played him as heroic to the very end. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. He kind of has a little smile. Yep. Oh, so good. Kenneth uh, Charles Robinson writes, when Rick lost his wife, I still to this day want to know who Rick was talking with on the phone in the prison. Who was it? Or was it a dream? It was a dream. It was crazy. He's nuts. <laughs> it's just a wrong number. That's all. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Jason Williams says, when Rick kills the claim gang in the most savage way imaginable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Bianca Vargas writes, when Shane and the group go to the barn with guns in pretty much dead already. That's when yeah. uh, Sophia came out. Yeah. Yep. Kristen Hallberg says, without a doubt, it is the storm in season five. These guys were at the end of their rope, and they somehow all pulled oh. together to keep that barn intact through the worst of the storm. I remember thinking how beautiful and poignant it was in that moment at the time in their at that time in their journey. They endured together and won. I like that yeah. too. I was a little confused, but I liked it. Yeah, and then the next morning they open the they go outside, and there's a, a walker way up high in the tree. Yeah, ugh. Yeah. Some of those walkers oh. got taken off to the land of Oz. Sure. <laughs> where the zombie the zombie wonderland where everything is great for zombies and there's just an endless supply of humans to and nobody's on. trying to kill them it's zombie it's heaven, zombie heaven. <laughs> <laughs> laura will <laughs> laura will swing rights i know these are my top three because they all made me stand up and cheer and scream what the fuck <laughs> i think that is because as someone who has not read the comics i didn't see any of these scenes coming three daryl's rambo style escape from the walker ravine oh yeah that was great two the first appearance of michonne katana and walker pets in tow and one, Rick's neck chomp of Claimer Joe. <laughs> a lot of people listed that. Number three didn't happen because Daryl's not in the comics. But number two, Michonne, that was right out of the comics. Number one, I don't remember if that happened. I don't think so, though. Eric R. Broderdorf says, besides, I already made you a promise, which I think is Rick talking to Gareth in the church. Yep. Mm -hmm. And right before he's about to exact... His revenge. Exacto knife his neck. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Poblaki uh, writes, Shane losing it and opening the barn. To me, that was the turning point in the series. Yeah, I agree with you. Ned Rogers says the entire pilot. Sylvain Binet writes, when Shane opened the barn door in season two. Gijo Putia says one word, trough. Mered... <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, Dance, Enda? It's uh, Maraid and Edna. Oh, thank you, Dunn. Sophia! <laughs> Zach Phillips says, when Rick takes a bite out of crime. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, that's that's it. That's good. Let's take a little break. We'll be back in a minute with, to talk about Poltergeist. Stay with us. It's an aquarium. 
I love heads in aquariums, I don't find them scary I'm fond of Bavarian cream, I dream of the Bibida Bibida Dawn The Bibida Bibida Starfish Command. Yeah, you know what? I'm not even going to bother with that one. All right, this week we're sponsored once again by Loot Crate. And I have another Loot Crate box right here. I'm going to open it up. Here we go. Oh, oh, God, God. (laughs) That's the wrong box, (laughs) dummy. That's not the Loot Crate box. That's a zombie box. (laughs) Zombie Crate. <laughs> so don't order the zombie crate. No. <laughs> Whatever you do. It's only five dollars a month, but it's still not worth it. Um <laughs> would you I want to ask, would you classify yourself as a geek? Yes. Karen. Proud. Yeah. Would you a gamer? No. No. A pop culture nerd? Heck yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yes. Well if you guys answered yes to any one of those, then loot crate is the subscription box for you. And if you answered yes to all three, it's kind of mandatory you have to (laughs) but either way for less than $20 a month you get six to eight items of gamer and pop culture licensed gear clothes collectibles unique one-of-a-kind items and more different kinds of things if you go to lootcrate.com slash deadcast that's l-o-o-t-c-r-a-t-e dot com slash deadcast and enter code deadcast you save three dollars on any new subscription Every month they have a different theme and you're guaranteed $40 or more worth of items all curated around that theme, which I think is really cool because you paid 20 bucks and you got $40 worth of stuff. They're all inspired by classic movie and video game releases, other pop culture franchises. They've had stuff from Star Wars, Marvel superheroes, Walking Dead, Legend of Zelda. Um, This year there have been crates with exclusive items from Star Wars and Voltron and there's been Great geek apparel and retro gaming stuff. Um, there was a crate all about strategy games. There was one about covert operations. Ooh, so they cool. kind of span the gamut of geek interests. This month, it's about the cyber revolution. There's an assortment of cool tech theme collectibles. There's an exclusive item from Terminator Genesis, which is coming out soon. There's one from Borderlands 2 which is an awesome game. And there's an exclusive t-shirt you won't find anywhere else. Basically it's like having a friend who knows what you like and they surprise you with an awesome present every month. <laughs> it's really cool. They ship over to 13 uh, to over 13 countries and you have until the 19th at 9 PM Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. So this month it's cyber revolution. And after that it's over, you can't get that stuff anymore. So if you go to lootcratecom slash deadcast and enter the code deadcast, you can save $3 on your new subscription today. Thank you to Loot Crate for your support. Thank you, Loot Crate. All right, let's move on to Poltergeist. Let's do it. Did, I've been asking you this lately, but when did you watch it the first time and when did you watch it most recently? Okay, so I did not see this movie when it came out. I was thinking, why didn't I see this movie when it came out? I, I waited till I was a little bit older. And I think it's because mm-hmm. I think I was, I, I was young when it came out, but not that young. I don't know. I was sort of an art house film oh, snob, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. I was like, you know, mm-hmm. I, uh, Room with a View was the only movie I wanted to watch, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I, the first time I saw it, I freaking loved it. And mm-hmm. this last time I saw it, 
I still loved it. And I'm giving it a 4.5 out of 5 scary-ass clowns. I think, <laughs> I think it holds up really well. Yeah, I mean, for me, I loved it too, but I had to check my cynicism. Oh, yes. Good thing you, you checked know? it. Yeah, and I did. And I don't know, maybe... Um, Maybe it didn't even take any effort because it's such the thing that's so great about this movie is the warmth of it. Yeah. Yeah. And and just how lovable this family is and these characters and how they interact with each other. Mm -hmm. And it could veer into corniness, but um, I think it's in, there are some things that the movie does really well that keeps it from going into corniness. Uh huh. Like uh, for me anyway, when mom is smoking a joint, yes, <laughs> it just felt more like, oh, she's not like the perfect leave it to beaver mom, you right. know? Right. I mean, I don't think it's any big deal for her to smoke a joint, but it's not like the ideal mom kind of thing. And I loved how when the little kid Robbie comes in the room because he's scared and she kind of looks like, oh, I better put this away. But she takes another puff first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Beth Williams is yeah. fantastic in this. I mean, the casting is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Craig, I know. I Craig mean, T. Nelson is great in it, too. Mm -hmm. He, I mean, I think this was probably the first thing I ever saw him in, and I wanted him to be my dad. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> he was so good. Who do you think was, well, I, I don't know who was better, but I agree with you. They were both awesome, and they had such great chemistry together. Yes. I, I Honestly, I, I got to tell you, Joe Beth Williams, for me, she makes the movie because, yeah. I, yeah, I totally believe she hits it out of the park. I just love how she plays scenes like that and also how she played the scene where, uh, you know, it's been it's been now a couple of days and they've called in they've called in the the first team from UC Irvine, I think, and they call. And so they are sort of giving she's almost cynical when she gives the tour and she's you know sort of a little bit jaded she's like she's like uh, you know at first they don't believe her that the house is haunted and she's like uh-huh uh-huh and uh then finally she you know what i mean she she just feels very believable like this is a woman who's been through a lot she sent mm -hmm. she sent the two you know she's missing one kid she sent the two kids away and she's just tired yeah she was just sort of dazed yeah and she didn't seem as upset as I thought you might if your daughter was in a TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, the daughter's uh, in a TV. She's not gone, and she's holding on to the hope yeah. that she's going to get her daughter back. I, I really like, uh, yeah, She. I think you're right. I think Joe Beth Williams is the best thing about this, although I think Greg T. Nelson is a close second. Mm -hmm. When she, <laughs> my one of my favorites was when she went up to him to show him how the chair moved. Yes. And she's like, yes. just remember back when we first met and you had an open mind and it was like, can be like that now. But it wasn't in a like malicious way. It was just kind of factual. And yes. he's like, okay, okay. Yes. And, and then after the, you know, the little girl is in the helmet and she moves and then you see Joe Beth Williams kind of jump up and down for a minute, you know? Yeah. Oh, it worked. It worked. She's got so much um, vivaciousness. Uh-huh. And seems like a real person. And yeah, I just, I want to know her, you know? Mm -hmm. I also, I, I kind of had a crush on her when I saw this the first time. She's, She's beautiful. Very beautiful. Yeah. But it, you know, the movie, I felt like 
is it's more about the women. Um, I mean, Craig yeah. Nelson has a huge part, but it's Carol Ann is sort of the focal point around the spirituality and the brothers kind of off to the side. And it's the mom who needs to go in and yes. go after her, you know? Yes. Yeah, exactly. It, and it Tangina. Is- uh-huh, uh-huh, who's going to get her back. And then the other psychic whose name I'm blanking on right now. It's Dr. Dr. Lesh, apparently. I looked that up. She's wonderful also. <laughs> she says, you know, I'm going, but I'm coming back. Yeah. And there was like this moment between her and Joe Beth Williams at the kitchen table. And I was like, "Yeah, God, women power, man. I mean, I felt like, so this movie was directed by Tobe Hooper, uh, who also did Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh-huh. the original. But the rumor is that it was actually directed by Spielberg. Yes. He wasn't allowed to direct any movies because of his contract with E.T., which he was working on at the time. But he was there on set being very controlling and Tobe Hooper sort of faded into the background. That's what it seems like. And I believe that because it very much felt like E.T. or something. Yeah, it's definitely a warm Spielbergian, Spielbergian movie. And so to me, it's like, it wasn't scary at all for me to watch this. Not mm-hmm. one scene, really. Maybe the yes. clown a little. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, after seeing um, Paranormal Activity, which mm-hmm. is kind of like the hell version of this movie. Yeah. It's like the this movie with all the Spielberg taken out of it. Yes. Every drop, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good comparison. So, and I'm okay with that. Like, I think uh-huh. it's really cool. I, in fact, even back then, because it was rated PG, I just thought, oh, this is a movie that I can go see and not worry too bad about it scaring the shit out of me. I think it scared the shit out of a lot of people, though. Yeah. Uh, it were did, you, how yeah. old were you when it came out? Uh, when did it come out? I, I don't know when know it came that. out. Let me look it up really quick. 82. So that means I was 11. Did you see it in the theater? I think I did, yeah. And, and scare you know, me, huh? it it scared me, but it scared me much more back then, but not as much as other horror movies like Phantasm. Yeah. yeah. Scarred me for life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it was so warm and and but I liked that it was warm and yet still kind of scary. I mean, I felt the same way. I know you didn't like it, but I felt the same way about Gremlins that it was kind of a family movie and it was had a warm center, but it was still edgy and, you know, bad stuff happened. I did not like Gremlins. Did I did I come across as not liking Gremlins? Well, when you said you didn't like it, I sort of assumed <laughs> that. <laughs> did I, uh, yeah, you did I up it. and say I, I didn't like it? No, I didn't. Go back pan and listen. It. I will go back and back listen. Back me up, listeners. <laughs> back me up, That's listeners. That's the impression I got. I don't know. Let's we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but what you else? know what? It, it, it had some classic scares in it. It had, you know, the the scary clown, which, by the way, if you're going to have a clown like that, you, at some point you're going to get rid of the clown, right? You should definitely get rid of the freaking clown. I have a clown sitting right here. Wait, where is it? <laughs> <laughs> look under your bed. Scatter, scatter, scatter. Tonight. Go look under my bed. <laughs> I have a couch right here. I can look under um, so it had, you know, the basically the hell mouth was this little girl's closet, and every little girl knows 
that it's or believes at some point that her closet in the middle of the night is you know the the hell mouth. <laughs> That's and a good term. It had it had under the bed scare, although oh. it didn't wasn't actually under the bed, but still that was scary. The it creepy had, tree outside, the, the creepy branches. tree. Mm-hmm. And by the way, also I got to tell you the oh god the. Joe Beth Williams thinking that everything is fine. The house is clear. Supposedly mm-hmm. the house is clear. And by the way, get their money back because the house was definitely not I clear. know. What do you think of that? It really felt like the movie was over. Oh, yeah. The false ending. I loved. I like yeah. false endings very much. It I worked really-, really well in this case because it gave you a false sense of security. Yes. And like there's like a, you know, uh, what do they call it? Fellowship of the Ring or maybe it's Return of the King. The last one has like four endings and you start to feel like, isn't it over? <laughs> but this one was more effective because you just felt like, oh, maybe they're safe. Although I, I would not have stayed the night in that house after what happened. No, no, no I don't what. care who says it's clear. Yeah. I'm out of there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wherever they ship the kids off to, that's where I'm going. Yeah. Somewhere else. I'll sleep in the park. Did you think that, that Joe Beth Williams was getting violated in that scene on the bed? Uh, I it sort of seemed a little sexual, but not really. Uh, I just felt like she was getting moved around. It reminded me of there's a scene a lot like that in A Nightmare on Elm Street, where the girl goes up the wall like that, but then yeah. she gets clawed and like blood starts coming out of her. Oh, so. by the way, great effect. The, yeah. the wall ceiling. If it's like the way they did it in Nightmare on Elm Street, the whole room and it just turns. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's I think that's how they did that, too. I know I, I read a little bit about the effects in the movie. And, you know, this was before a lot of the, the CG stuff now. And a lot of the effects were were physical manual effects. Like yeah, of turn, course. Yeah. Like a turning room, which is so clever. Yeah, the, I mean, I thought the effects were good. Uh, it, they didn't totally hold up, but they were fine. The The skeletons, uh, it would have been nice if they were moving around because it, it didn't really scare me. It's like, oh, it's a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> we're so jaded. <laughs> I know, that's the problem. But although, it, you know, it's... I guess it came out that those were actual skeletons. Yeah, cheaper. Skeletons. Cheaper to buy a human skeleton than a fake skeleton. <laughs> That's almost like cheaper to not dig up the corpses when you put your new houses on the <laughs> land. <laughs> By the way, one of my favorite things about this movie is that uh, the developers, the evil property development companies, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not a giant fan of irresponsible property development companies. I love good, and, and urban planning is, is an interest of mine, and, and uh, I love good ones, that, are, and I know there are a lot out there, but really bad old school property development companies. I mean, I love that they're the bad guys. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. So let's get, since we're, I just mentioned about the skeletons, so there's supposed to be this poltergeist curse. Yes. And people think that it's because of the skeletons. People who are in the movie has have died. Prematurely. Dominique Dunn, who played Dana, the eldest daughter, she died at the age of 22 that year. 
after being strangled by her abusive former boyfriend. Um, so sad. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, the sequel, I don't think she was in it. I don't remember if they explained why their other daughter wasn't there. Oh. While she was on the set filming the sequel, Zelda Rubenstein, who played Tangina, she received word that her mother died. Um, what else? Heather O'Rourke. Heather O'Rourke. She died in 1988 at the age of 12 during surgery to repair an acute bowel obstruction. That's Carol Ann. Mm-hmm. So there were a couple others, but it's pretty sad. <laughs> it is sad. Yeah, especially, yeah. What really makes you think, oh my gosh, is there something to that? Is that two young people died. Yes, you the know? two little the two young Girls. young ladies the yeah. young ladies died very tragic um deaths. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Well, let's go talk about some other things. So, one of my favorite things about this that I was reminded of watching it is there's just so many. We've already talked about a bunch of them, but these images and elements that left such a strong impression, kind of iconic. The, the biggest one is Carol Ann with her hand on the TV saying, well, her hand on the TV static, uh-huh. and later saying, they're here. they're here. That's just sort of in our culture now, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, and- people might know what I was talking about just because I said that. You know, and I find to this day, I find TV static to be creepy. Not that you mm-hmm. ever see TV static, but, you know, in movies, if I see TV static, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. that's not good. Yeah. Kids, when a long time ago, TVs used to be really thick. <laughs> one time i saw nico with his hand on the tv like that and really uh, yeah i don't remember if there was any static or anything but it totally did you, did you snatch me. him back <laughs> yeah, Tell he's him been to, gone ever since. to stay away from the light <laughs> it was pretty interesting um but there's other ones the clown the uh-huh. the crazy tree the bodies in the pool um uh-huh. the whole lightning counting sequence yes you know <laughs> They're just these really strong elements that stay in your mind after you watch this. Yep. Yep. I love the actress, by the way. I don't think we really touch on this too much, but the the actress who plays the spiritual medium. Yeah, I I think it's Zelda Rubenstein, which Zelda is a great name for her. It is. And I love her, her voice in it. I mean, it's it's kind of on the very on the border of cheesy, but it's kind of... Awesome cheese when she's explaining yeah. why the spirits, you know, she's sort of they sort of sit in front of her and then she, you know, gather around and I will tell you what is going on. And it's her little voice, her little mousy voice is so adorable. And she tells them, you know, things are very bad here. And, you know, the the good news kind of she starts with the good news and then she, you know, says no, but there's also. There's also an evil presence and Carol Ann's in his thrall or right. you know, he's keeping her there. It's ah! <laughs> great, right? And she said something before that, like, uh, I, oh, and there's something else I got to tell you. So, yeah, here's the bad news. <laughs> she yeah, her voice was almost elf like, but her attitude, it, just everything about it worked for me. Yeah. Her character. It was great. She's in the sequel, too. What else? I the scene where the dog starts barking at the wall. Yes. Remember that? 
One yep. time I was in, just watching TV or something with my girlfriend at the time in bed and her dog was asleep at the foot of the bed. And all of a sudden her dog jumped up and started barking at the corner of the wall, just like that <gasps> <laughs> and wouldn't oh. stop. And, uh, we Are tried to calm me? her down and we're like, she must've had a dream or something. <laughs> that is so crazy. We were kind of freaked out. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was the demon in the corner <laughs> yeah. that only the dog could see. <laughs> totally. Demons <laughs> freak me out. There's another, I th- they say it's the final paranormal activity movie coming out this October. That's going to wrap it all up. Until they reboot it and they redo <laughs> the whole thing. I'll probably watch it. <laughs> How was the last one? Did you think the last one was good? I didn't watch it because it got such bad reviews, but I've mm. seen the other three. And you liked the other three, right? Yeah, I liked them all, yeah. I think I, thought, I saw all three, too. I thought they were all sort of similar, but it's kind of like watching a TV show. The episodes can be kind of similar sometimes. In the third one, they, they use the, the trick of the camera also? Mm-hmm. Huh. But I think the third one was back to when... There were little girls, oh. and their grandma was an evil witch. Oh. It was fucking creepy. <laughs> wow, I didn't see that. Then I have to I have to go back and watch that mm-hmm. and creep myself out. There were some things in Poltergeist that reminded me of other movies. The Nightmare on Elm Street thing I already mentioned, the Ghostbuster-looking ecto- slimy ectoplasm. Yes, that they were covered in. Um, the... Stuff flying around the room when the, you know, that was a great part too. When the researchers like, we saw a matchbox car travel across a table in seven hours. (laughs) And then they open the door and everything's flying around. And the book is like flapping in their face. And there's the Hulk riding a horse and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, the Hulk riding a horse. (laughs) That reminded me of Evil Dead, that scene. Yes. It seemed like it was, it was stop motion, didn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Or something. Yeah. But it was, I I, I thought it was great. Yes. I agree. (laughs) I agree. Yeah, you're right. That was hilarious. And she's like, oh, really? A car going across a table in seven hours. Wow. (laughs) Check this out. All right. What else about this movie should not go unsaid? uh, Scary part. Here's a scary part. A genuinely scary part that Mm -hmm. stayed scary. And my hat's off to whoever did the makeup. Face ripping. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty disgusting. That was unbelievably disgusting. Well done, makeup artist. My only question is, like, if I'm picking at a zit and my <laughs> lip comes off, I might stop there. Stop there. <laughs> and just like, maybe I should go to the doctor. You know how sometimes you have a compulsion to, yeah. you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I'll just keep finish rubbing my lip off <laughs> my chin. And now I'll continue to my ice socket. can't stop. <laughs> Whole face on sink. <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, all sort of a hallucination. And I guess no one in the movie died, right? I don't think so. Except the people who are already dead. The people who are already dead. Yeah. So. Yes. It was all fine. It was okay. And it was awesome yeah. at the end when they went to the hotel and he shoved his TV out the door. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's do listener responses. Okay. You want me to go first this time? Yes, please. Lara Willie Swink says, The best part about Poltergeist was that after they got Carol Ann back, he thought the horror was over, but the scariest part of the movie was about to start. Yeah, totally. 
Terry Tango writes, I was 12 years old when this movie came out. I wasn't able to see it in the theater, but a friend of mine did. I remember her telling me about the movie almost shot for shot on the way to school, at lunch, and on the way home. I was transfixed <laughs> seeing this movie through her eyes. Uh, it was one of the first real books my parents bought me. When I s finally saw it on VHS, I was blown away. <laughs> I, that's how I was about Nightmare on Elm Street. I didn't want to go see it, and I just heard my friends told me all about it, and I was way more scared until I actually saw it. <laughs> in your mind, it's scarier, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Leanne Hicks says, Every time a storm is brewing, I think of the boy counting the seconds from the lightning to thunder. And that scary tree. It's nighttime in Toronto at the moment, and I hear thunder getting closer, oh, hiding no. my toy clown in the closet tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always Put it in the garbage the disposal. <laughs> so Terry Tango writes back, So here's a couple of movie factoids. The actresses that played Carol Ann, Dana, Tangina, and Dr. Lesh have all passed away. Heather O'Rourke and Dominique Dunn are buried in the same cemetery. The actor that played Ryan, the paranormal assistant, is Beyonce's stepbrother, having married Tina Knowles earlier this year. Huh. Poltergeist was nominated for three Academy Awards and lost all three to Steven Spielberg's other summer blockbuster, E.T. The skeletons used on the set were real. A special effects artist on the set said at the time that they were cheaper than fabricating plastic ones. <clears throat> Do you like E.T.? That's another one that I didn't see until I was old and cynical. And you didn't, and you didn't like it? Uh, it was it was okay. <laughs> I it don't know okay. if it would hold up. I saw it back then and loved it. I went. I definitely went through a period, though, where I didn't want to see any Hollywood movies. And mm -hmm. I was like, Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> I still have a bad taste in my mouth about that movie because it was during my cynical phase. Don't bring up Forrest Gump to David. Why? It. It is on his list of most loathed movies. Is that right? Maybe I would <laughs> yes. still not like it. <clears throat> you might. I thought it was just fine mm -hmm. and had some and had some good moments, but that's something we agree to disagree about. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Okay, Rob Williams says the first time I saw it, I guess I was maybe twelve, and I was at home. Mom watched it with us. At one scary screen, I jumped up and over the couch, and until the scare was over. But I loved it. Crawling stakes, creepy tree, oh, yeah. nasty swimming pool, freaky little woman, slimy <laughs> home TV travel. Crazy cool. Taylor Nelson Shaw says, uh, I'm sorry, Taylor ne Nelson saw it uh, far too early in age. I think it was eight. And even though the SFX and stuff do not hold up over time, it still freaks me. It freaks me out. Hmm. Ned Rogers says, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but man, that movie freaked me the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> Iris Munch Siegert says, scariest scene for me was always when Diane puts the chairs away in the kitchen, then comes back to see them stacked on each yeah. other. I forgot about that. That was awesome. That was like paranormal activity. Totally. Totally. And finally, Grippy Bob Dabalino says, dude picking his face apart in the bathroom freaked me out <laughs> as a kid. But when I heard the skeletons were real because they were cheaper than fake ones, shudder. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. Let's move on to Lister Moans, Groans, and Grunts. Uh, uh, 
Okay, this one comes from Garvis from West Virginia. Hey guys, started listening to your podcast just to get a little more comics talk from Grace and Mr. Blog. I had been listening to Under the Comic Covers since early days, but didn't jump on your show until this last season. If you need a movie to tide you through until Fear the Walking Dead starts up in August, please allow me to suggest Dead and Breakfast. It's a zombie-ish film about a group of friends on their way to a wedding that end up spending the night at this out-of-the-way B&B run by David Carradine before he accidentally hung himself while masturbating, naturally. (laughs) It seems that Carradine owns a demonic box that accidentally gets opened, unleashing an undead curse upon the residents of the town. It's part siege narrative and part musical comedy. I was reminded of it when you guys mentioned someone trying to do a zombie walk and to do a zombie walk and breaking out the thriller dance. This is the movie where... That was Irony Singleton, by the way. That was our mm-hmm. scene. I remember you said that. This is the movie where the zombies break out. The electric slide. Mm-hmm. Seriously fun. Not as much fun as Night of the Creeps, but close. I also highly recommend the Nether Beast Incorporated, which is a vampire comedy meets Office Space uh, hybrid based on this short film. Uh, there's a URL there, which I'll put in the show notes. Fantastic. But I didn't get it at first, but Dead and Breakfast, I get it. Dead and breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> going to a dead and breakfast. Thanks, Garvis. That's fabulous. I'm going to check that out. Next one's from Mo. What a fun podcast. She's talking about the one we did about Young Frankenstein last time. <laughs> it was very fun. Yeah, I thought so. Love the Young Frankenstein coverage. It's been a long time since I've watched the movie and will need to rewatch. Like you saw it frequently as a kid. I think it was on WGN Saturday afternoon slash evening horror movies frequently. Some random thoughts. Mel Brooks rocks. Have always been an Alfred Hitchcock fan, so was hoping you would discuss high anxiety. I haven't I just saw seen that. I I think when I saw that, I, I was too young to even understand it. I just saw it with David. Oh, yeah. In fact, yeah. Don't did I mention this last time? Don't don't tell David yeah, that I ordered him the whole it, yeah. compendium. Yeah, does, I guess so he doesn't listen, huh? That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And uh, let's see. So, how did it hold up? Was it good? It's great. Yeah, Yeah. and I'm going to loan you the whole box set. So, if you want to watch any um, of Mel Brooks, there they are. Sweet. She says, "I wonder if Mel Brooks movies are more appealing to those of us who were alive in the '70s. The pacing and jokes are just so 1970s. Wondering if kids born in 1985 or under 30 can appreciate." I mean, there was very little technology, plus most of the quality of the filming just looks awful these days. I did recently see that both Heaven Can Wait and The Natural have been reformatted to look good on today's TVs. Otherwise, it would be tough to watch. So people under, you know, who weren't alive in the 70s, uh, let us know if you like um, Mel Brooks movies. I'm curious. Yeah, I am too, actually. She goes on, have you ever watched the web videos from Jerry Seinfeld's Driving in Cars Getting Coffee? I've only seen like one of those. I need to watch more, but they look funny. Anyways, he interviews people while he's driving in a car, getting coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It says in season one, Jerry takes out Carl Reiner, Carl Reiner, and ends up at Mel Brooks' house. (gasps) Oh, (laughs) an amazing discussion about comedy timing and history. Some of your discussion on this podcast made me think you would appreciate. Here's the link to the page. So I'll put that in the show notes too. Um, He also did a great interview with Fresh Air in May 2013. Could you imagine Mel Brooks doing a com- a parody of Game of Thrones or The Walking Dead? I'd love that. <laughs> well, he's. I think his movies haven't been as good lately. I don't know. 
she goes, keep up the great podcast and really love catching up with you when I'm editing photos or working out in the pool. You're a very good company. Thank you. Oh, that's interesting. So you must have a waterproof um, device, listening device. Mm-hmm. Or she's like about that. blaster speakers so the neighbors can hear us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, please do that too. <laughs> this one comes from Ashley Renfro who writes, Hey, Jason and Karen, I've been listening to your show for about a year now. I've emailed uh, once or twice before from listening to you and the Walker Stalkers. You'll always be the best. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard about the Walker Stalker cons quite a bit. I've been waiting for one to come closer to me. I live in West Tennessee. Just saw last week uh, where they're having their first Walker Stalker con in Nashville uh, next April 9th to 10th. I've already bought tickets to go with my friend Karen, yay, mm-hmm. who is also a mega fan. I just hope that y'all be there. Seriously, both of you have to go. Your biggest fan in Tennessee will be there. Anyways, just wanted to run that by you. Walker Stark, uh, Walking Dead cast is still my favorite podcast above everything else. Not just the other Walking Dead podcasts out there. I love how you don't just summarize the episode, but you really discuss it in an interesting and different way. Keep up the great work. Ashley Renfro from Huntington, Tennessee. Thanks, baby. That's a high compliment. So thank you so much. You should listen to This American Life, though. (laughs) (laughs) And And, uh, seriously, thank you. That's awesome. Uh, I'll do a Karen impersonation in Nashville. Oh, I was going to say now. I'm like, okay, I'm waiting. Uh, Oh, no, not now. All right. Wait. Let me just try to think how how you would talk. Here we go. (laughs) Fucky, fuck, fuck, fuck. How's that? Wow, that's spot on. Well done, sir. You should do impressions, you know? (laughs) I know. It's pretty good. Here's another one. Man, that T-Dog fuck. (laughs) How do you have that? Sounds just like you, right? Ah, It really, really does. It's the the horde with pitchforks and torches. Check it out here. I don't know if I'm going to be in Nashville, by the way, but there's a pretty good chance I will. Here's some of the upcoming Walker Stalker cons. They're going to be in Boston, Philadelphia, Atlanta, of course, New York, Brazil in January, what? London in February, <gasps> Dallas, Denver, Nashville, and Chicago. And they're doing a cruise, my, uh, Miami to the Bahamas. Whoa. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? A Walker Stalker Con cruise mm-hmm. with the cast? Let me see who's set for that one so far. Where's the guests? It's Norman Reedus, Chandler Riggs, Emily Kinney, Sonequa Martin-Green, Chad Coleman, Christian Serratos, Lawrence Gilliard, and Ross Marquand. Oh my God! If you're <laughs> if you're like a, a a Walking Dead stalker, that would be the cruise to be on. <laughs> There's a lot of cruises like this. Weezer did a couple, and apparently they were great. But there's tons like rock bands do it, and it's pretty cool. Wow. But I'm not going on that one. Um, apparently, they're not doing panels on the cruise for some reason. But wouldn't it be fun to be on the cruise just anyway? It might, yeah, if I can get a good discount. They're not doing panels <laughs> on the cruise? Uh, no. So when do you bump into them? Getting coffee or something? I mean, No, you do autographs and uh, uh, I don't know what else. I don't know. That's a good question. There's <laughs> events and stuff. Yeah. I'm sure, especially on the cruise, they'll be mingling and stuff like that. Right, right. But uh, I'm excited about Brazil and London, though. Yes. Are you going to go to both of those? I think so. (gasps) Yeah. I'm not 100%, but there's a good chance. That sounds fantastic. I know. Some of the um, core team are like studying Portuguese. (laughs) 
<laughs> Excellent. Excellent. All right. So that's it for the email. We have one call. It's from Leanne from Toronto. Hi, Jason. Hi, Karen. It's Leanne from Toronto. Hi, guys. I'm so excited that you chose Poltergeist to be one of the movies to review right now. Um, I think, uh, well, I was firstly really excited because it was one of the first horror movies I ever saw that lured me into the genre because I was quite young, obviously, when I saw it. And, um, and it had that beautiful complexity of just this urban, you know, comfort zone versus this like horrifying um, unknown spiritual world. And I was thinking about it when I was watching it again. I think the reason why it really works is because you really care about these people. They, I, I just, I love the casting of the parents, Joe Beth Williams and Craig T. Nelson, and they're just so real. I mean, yeah, okay, they're smoking grass in bed and all that, but they're, <laughs> you know, you can tell they really love their kids and they're funny and they're easygoing and you just, you believe in them and you, um, you know, you just fall in love with them a little bit. And so you want, you're invested in the story. And I think that's why sometimes other movies, horror movies don't work. Um, so still that formula held up for me, definitely watching it again. But the still, the scariest scene, I still think, is that boy lying in bed counting between the lightning and the thunder and that damn tree coming through the window. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then when it starts swallowing him, that's yes. pretty terrifying. Yeah, it develops a mouth. <laughs> yeah, Leon, you hit the nail on the head. Yep. Totally. Yeah. And I, I personally, I actually wouldn't want every horror movie to be like that because I like paranormal activity, how it's so scary and like, oh my God. But this one is just, I appreciate it on it in a whole different way. Yeah. And it's really, I think it's really special actually. Yep. I agree. All right. That's our show, episode 185. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Uh, I wanted to mention I saw the pilot for this new British series that's also on AMC. I mentioned it a while back. It's called Humans. It's about these androids that look like people, and they people buy them to be kind of like maids in their house, basically slaves. And this guy <laughs> gets one, and she's totally gorgeous, and... He didn't tell his wife, and when she wife gets home, she sees this um, <laughs> android like reading to their kids and doing all the housework, and she's like super upset about it. Yes, I would be upset too. The husband's like, "I'm not taking her back." <laughs> but it's got this undercurrent of like thriller to it. Like some of the androids are actually more aware than they let on, and stuff. Uh huh. So it's pretty interesting. Oh, that's great. Uh, it's not quite on the level of Ex Machina or. Uh, Black Mirror yet, but I only saw one episode and I'm definitely curious to see more. Uh, all right, so if you want to call us, you can reach us at 650-485-DEAD, that's 650-485-3323, or click the send voicemail button on our website. You can write to us at brains at walkingdeadcast.com. You can go to our website with lots of Walking Dead news and information at walkingdeadcast.com. And don't forget to click through our Amazon link on there whenever you shop at Amazon. We're also on Twitter at Jason and Karen and on Facebook at facebook.com slash deadcast. 
And again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Loot Crate, the subscription box for the geek, gamer, and or nerd in all of us for less than $20 a month. You get six to eight items of gamer and pop culture licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. Make sure to head to lootcrate.com slash deadcast and enter code deadcast to save $3 on any new subscription. And remember, you only have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So go to lootcrate.com slash deadcast and enter code deadcast to save $3 on your new subscription today. Next episode, you and I haven't talked about, but I uh, am, I, I set up an interview that I'm going to do with Mike Carey. He is the writer of The Girl with All the Gifts. Oh, great. <clears throat> cool, huh? He's in London, yeah. so I'm going to be doing it early Perfect. in the morning. Oh, um, fabulous. I'm really excited. He's been, he couldn't do it this week because he's on the set of the movie they're making. I forget. You know what? I don't think I've mentioned that, but they're making a movie. It stars Glenn Close. Oh my God. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I forget who else. I'll talk more about it next time, but uh, that's, I'm excited about that. I'm going to try and read the book again before I talk to him because I want to have it fresh in my, my, my oh, mind. Oh, that's so cool. Good for you. I, I did get it from my Kindle and I'm going to bring it in July. I'm going to bring it to Venice. Nice. Yeah. Great. What else? Oh, yeah. Just wanted to remind you guys if you're going to be at Walker Stalker Orlando or if you are in the area, come and meet me this Saturday, 630 at the Hyatt Regency Hotel Bar. Uh, have a great time. I'll do my best. I'm a little frazzled right now. <laughs> Hopefully I can get it all <laughs> under pull control. It together. All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening. Don't, Don't get, get bit, Matt Whitehurst. Now just be calm, okay? Now reach back into our past when you used to have an open mind. Remember that? Uh-huh. Okay, just try to use that for the next couple of minutes. <laughs>